LSU wins the championship. <sighs> Dude, how much did you love that college championship? Oh, man. Okay. Honestly, I was excited to watch the game. I was almost going to text you at one point in time. Really? Yeah, just after like um, almost after the end of halftime. Okay. Because the first half of that damn game took two hours. Because of commercials and shit? I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't figure it out. Like, I, it must be. I don't know if this is how they pay for it all. It's like they throw in more commercial breaks in this game. But the, the freaking first half took two hours. It, it, didn't, it didn't end. Halftime didn't start until like quarter after 10. Weird. And then like a half hour later, halftime is still going on. And I was like, why is the halftime seem like it's longer than the first half? Uh. And they weren't even doing, there wasn't even in like, um, uh, there's a lot of Super Bowl halftime show kind of thing. You know, it was just like marching bands and then, then people talking, but it wasn't like a, there wasn't some big thing happening that extended the halftime. They just, I think they're just milking it. Like for, you said for like time and, and commercials to, to pay for all this stupid stuff. So Chris, I hate to, bring I went to bed, you. man. I was like, fuck this. I don't care I think anymore. That the last time I saw a college championship game was like, I'm pretty sure Vince Young was in it. (laughs) (laughs) Was that 2005? Maybe. Nine? Reggie Bush, right? There was like a, wasn't, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was, yeah, 2004, maybe the six. I don't know. One of the greatest Uh, games ever played, Chris. It was fantastic. I was like, I'm going to just leave on a high because I don't care about college football. Um, here's last night might have rivaled that game. Apparently here's my roller coaster of that. Um, and it was a shitty roller coaster. So I'm, I, I'm waiting. Uh, I was meeting a friend and, and she was late. Mm. So I'm sitting in my car, like on draft. Did she take the bus to meet you? I was, I was, uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) she drove. Uh, but, um, the, I, I was like, and I looked at two bets. I, w- I was like, oh, you know what I should – I looked at I looked at Philly against uh, the Pacers and and OKC against whoever they played. And I was like, man, I should parlay the Pacers and OKC. Those are two teams that I, I'm really good at betting on. Mm. I didn't. That fucking parlay <laughs> hit. And instead I was like, oh, let me bet Clemson the money line because I'll be this like <laughs> – super ahead of the curve. And then I checked in the score like at the first quarter and Clemson was up. And then I saw this like clickbait thing on ESPN that like the line had swung because the sharps were betting Clemson. And I was like, Ooh, I'm a sharp. And I woke up this morning. I'm a fucking stupid NBA parlay hit and Clemson lost. I'm the worst gambler ever. So fuck college football. Like, Listen, I think, a, I think a lot of people were, were thinking along your same lines against that game last night. And I was wondering if you we I, I was a little surprised I was like, that we Dabo. never talked about what about it. Dabo, bro? Oh, oh yeah, bro. He's you know, he's the greatest coach ever, but he doesn't get the respect. No, that's why I thought Dabo'd sneak one in on. <clears throat> yeah, listen, I you know what I halfway through that uh, first quarter or something, I was like, Oh man, this is like tight. This is they're not scoring any. Like this actually Clemson can actually, you know, like win this thing, actually, you know, and 
I listen. I, that's one one of the reasons I never would even wanted to talk about that game because I think it was two really good games. The point spread was like what five or six points or something maybe. I think um, I got it at five. Yeah, like it just didn't like make sense because it you know I, who knows what would have happened in that game either way. Right. Um, I, so I don't think uh, you were wrong, and like you're saying, like a lot of the sharps bet Clemson. I thought it was smart because so much money I think was on LSU that it would probably be just a good idea just to go the other way on it. I will never bet on a college football game again. Yeah, that it's is too my, hard. That is it's stupid. The there only... are six good college football teams in the world, and the yes, which is they exactly. should just play each other. Like mm-hmm. no one. There's why, why are it's always the same sixteen? Yeah, it's stupid. And three of them are in the SEC, so it's like yeah, who, yeah. With, it's it's pointless. Like why do people care about college football when it's always the same teams that are the best? I, I don't know. I don't because they they expect something else to happen here which which isn't going to happen. Um the only bet I will say that I don't think we ever talked about it this year. I think we talked about it a year ago like at last season, a season before, whatever you want to say, is that Hawaii is like 10 and 0 in opening games of their of each season for the last 10 years. They also always play in a bowl game at home. Which, <laughs> which is amazing. Good, but don't have home field advantage necessarily. Are you bringing up Hawaii because you are you are uh, doing some segue into your new head coach of Washington State? Is that what's up? Actually, not really, but we can go there. Because I, I, it was the only betting thing I've, I've read over the years or something that I was like, oh, this is actually a really kind of a good bet. It's just keep beating uh, – Hawaii's, I think they're always the underdog as well for and like their opening games and they beat Arizona, I think the beginning University of Arizona at the beginning of this year. They you know, they covered the spread obviously and all that kind of stuff. So like they, somehow they've had this really great run of success for like first game of the seasons for the last 10 years. And since I know you have a tie to to University of Hawaii, I do. I always thought that that's like those are the kind of bets that maybe I would always kind of look into and, and try to find for betting on college football because otherwise I don't care. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bet it next year. Yeah. Although you we just lost Nick Rolovich. Yeah. Huh? Look at you knowing the name. Because I, so what, what's the interest? He's not a particularly good coach as far as I can tell. His record, I just looked up, is 28 and 27. Yeah, but the last two uh, years he's he's gotten to like 10 wins or something, I guess. So he's really turned the program around. Okay. Um, okay. He's building no something. June Jones. He's, yeah, a, sure. he's no June Jones. He, does, he, he brought back – uh, the, the the run and shoot offense from June Jones era because he yeah. was he was he was a coach not under June Jones but uh, when like um, was it Norm Chow was the head coach yes that's correct right so um, he has and he he started started he's he's not he he when he when he uh, when he was hired at at Hawaii a couple of years ago he didn't even run the run and shoot he he was a, uh, the offensive coordinator for Nevada. Where they, where they used to run the uh, what is it the pistol offense I believe they call it, and so he brought that. That's it. Yes. That. Yes, so I no, go ahead. He he brought that with him, thinking that he would do that, and then he it wasn't working. He wasn't satisfied with it, and he kind of went back to the run and shoot, and and kind of brought this this offense back with nobody else. I don't think has been using it for years, basically. Hmm. So he's he's so, sort of um, he's he's getting a lot of uh, sort of praise and recognition for what he's been able to do at Hawaii and sort of uh, the offenses that he's been able to kind of like develop or reinstall or kind of reignite or whatever you want to call it in the sense of of being someone who, unlike Mike Leach at University of Washington, gets sort of the uh, accolades of an offensive like genius and, and guru and an innovator which he hasn't actually done anything offensively in, in to that degree in that sense for 20 years. 
So he would have R- Rolo, as he's known, would have played under June Jones. He was he was the predecessor to Timmy Chang, actually. Okay. Uh, he played. I think Timmy Chang redshirted while while Nick. Yeah, Rolo he got injured or something, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so then that marked the Timmy Chang era, which then, following Timmy Chang, uh, was the Colt Brennan era. Weird thing, Timmy Chang actually his brother played at the University of Montana. I like so it was weird. Wow. I went from I, yeah. yeah, I transferred with the changs um it was a it was a pretty bizarre thing uh the so i i mean obviously it's an amazing pedigree and i'm stoked for your squad because i i love uh i love the university of hawaii football mm-hmm. i love i love the quarterbacks that have come out of there and uh and i i think you're i think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised Chris. i i think it will too and I, like i said he's sort of one of these guys that um doesn't sort of rest on his laurels of like what he thinks he knows he went and talked to all these coaches about re bringing back the, 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 the run and shoot offense. He went to go, I think he went to go talk to uh, June Jones or tried to, and I, I think he got um, directed to a couple of the other uh, coaches who were kind of uh, had their hand in, in sort of developing that system and whatnot. And then a couple other coaches like, uh, like Mike, Mike Leach as well about sort of like sticking to your guns and, and sticking to an offense of like when, when everyone else tells you like, this isn't going to work or, or is kind of criticizing whatever you're doing. Um, so I, he, I think he's open. He's also a character, apparently. Like he's got a, he, I think he's got like a like a video. I don't know if it's a YouTube channel or stuff. But he's also he's, I think he's socially engaged or you know uh, that kind of stuff. And apparently he's a character and and he's a he, youngster. He's too. a young dude and who his 20. players respond to and who he did, he brought a lot of stuff into the uh, the Hawaii program that that um, was it Norm Chow. I guess he preceded him that um, or whoever did that, that they weren't having fun and they didn't feel like a family. Apparently some of the quotes that they were saying, I love Norm Chow though. Yeah, I know. But he was, he was more of like a straight football, old school football coach. Right. And like yeah. now this guy Rolo brought in some like, you know, new ideas and concepts and doing things and, and, uh, and having fun with it a little bit more. And, and, and it's sort of, I think it sort of um, kind of like what Ed Orgeron is doing in, in LSU a little bit and, and relating to the, to the players a little bit more, which is, I think is a key factor for a lot of coaches these days. Now, here's a thing to be wary of. Mm-hmm. University of Hawaii coaches June Jones and Norm Chow following their tenures yeah. at yeah. Hawaii have ended up back in high school. <laughs> so it's not always a road to success. It's not. Uh, you, it's not. You can find you can I think you can find June Jones coaching the like Hamilton something or others. And, oh uh, right. I just looked CFL. I just looked up Norm Chow. Norm Chow will be the uh, Los Angeles Wildcats uh, offensive coordinator. If you don't know who the Los Angeles Wildcats are, that's because you aren't up on your current XFL knowledge. Ooh. So, yeah. Wow. It can go fucking sideways real quick. Yeah, uh, Norm Chow is also like he's got to be like eighty-eight years old now at this point too. Like that guy's pretty old. So he's like seventy-three, dude. Uh, okay, well, you know what I'm saying. Like you know, well, <laughs> I'm just saying like there's not a lot of seventh-year-old head coaches in major college sports. They also took big jumps right into other right. big-time programs from Hawaii. This one's a little bit. This is uh, you know Washington State for as much as I'm an alumni and as much as I love that university like they're not a big time program and someone even with someone having mike leach been there and that name attached to him and his his uh media uh favoritism uh that he got from the media and whatnot that kind of stuff like they weren't going to get like another big time head name head coach or anything like that anyway so i think this is a pretty good safe jump for him i also wouldn't be surprised if, if he has success there that he's not gone in five years or something too you know somewhere else so yeah, here's what I, Mike Leach. Um, I've got to say, just had a 
guess who has uh who he's just added to his coaching staff at Mississippi State. Steve Spurrier Jr. That's right, fool. <laughs> Steve Spurrier Jr. <laughs> the future. So I promise you, in our lifetimes, we will see a Steve Spurrier head coach in the NFL. Oh, in the NFL? Yeah. Oh. I, okay. I think he's young. He's going to get groomed. He is pretty young. Him. He was already on Leach's staff at, at Washington State. He's the wide receivers coach. He's going he's, – it's going to be a thing, man. It, it might be like a lot of times the guys will get hired away from Leach's staff, especially the wide receivers coaches for some reason. Um, Leach doesn't have an offensive coordinator, so he can't sort of grow within the own with within that program itself. So he's going to have to go somewhere else to get a better job somewhere along the line. There was even one rumor that I saw. I, I don't even call it a rumor, but a suggestion maybe is that for Washington state to hire Steve Spurrier and junior, and to do, you know, like kind of a line of succession there for like two or three years where the elder Spurrier sort of starts Spurrier's the program. So old, though. I mean, talk about old, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Years. Yeah, exactly. But he's, again, he was the head coach of the, uh, the uh, not the XFL team, but the, what was the other one that just went? Yeah, the AFL or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah the, right. The a, what was the thing that we were just I don't just know. AAF something. It was know. AAF. Yeah, yeah, you're right. AAF? You're right. Yeah. It was the Alliance of American Football. Yeah, yeah, right, Correct. right. So he was the head coach there. So it wouldn't it wouldn't have been that bad of an idea. They the the other the the to kind of preface this is that Washington State did this years ago with with uh, Tony Bennett and his father for the football for the basketball program, right? Yeah. So it wouldn't it's not so as far out of left field as you would think, especially for that for that university. Okay. Well, this is it would have been interesting. It would have been it would have been it would have been on the level of of media interestingness uh, as far as keeping attention on the program doing something like that following following mike leach but it's but it's too it's too uh, there's a it it would never flashy. have happened it never would have happened yeah but it was an it's interesting too, it idea would, like concept yeah. yeah you have to bear in mind like i don't think steve sprayer's coached like a real football team since like no no he's been a, he's been he's been these position coaches for a while now he Leach brought him from somewhere else. I think he was he was back on the East Coast, and he got a recommendation for somebody to bring him on his staff when he needed a wide receivers coach. So, but I think the guy could be potentially sort of you know give him he'll another. Be a head, he'll be an NFL head coach. Mark my words. Yeah, but it might take him a little while there or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk. Let's touch on a couple of things before we get into the NFL uh, this week, and we can definitely move away from college football, please. Well, I got um, one more. I got one hot take oh here. Oh my god, the college football won't stop. I know. Please. Well, Chris, it's a big party for the Bayou. We're going to keep celebrating. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just, I have one hot take since we're talking about Washington state and Mike Leach. Uh, okay. Everybody was praising Mike, Mike Leach for what he did at Washington state. And he should be, he, he sort of unfounded success f- for that university in that program. And he was going to move on at some point in time. He, I think it's just what he does. He's a bit of a vagabond type of a dude, but, yeah. and, and you know, you probably know if, if nothing else about him and probably a lot of people know him, if nothing else about him, about how the media loves him because of his personality. He's outspoken and he'll talk about stupid topics of conversation, all all these great things. But what I want to talk about and my hot take here is basically that Mississippi state will come to regret their decision. And the fans will, will turn on Mike Leach within three seasons, probably less actually. Okay. Because he's not going to win like they think he's going to win. And he's not that great of a coach where everybody thinks he's a great coach. And I said this earlier, he's not an offensive innovator. He credits him as being an offensive innovator because he has this this offensive system and it's uh, the air raid offense, right? 
except for the problem is, is that he hasn't done anything to change that system majorly for 20 years. He has a, he has an index card, a cocktail napkin as his play sheet. And he references that he squints at it and he references that, uh, to call his plays, for, you know, and it's so some really good teams have actually started figuring his, I think his play calling out and his offensive system out and they can, they can handle him defensively. So for him to be able to put up 30, 40 points or whatnot, uh, in, in the SEC against much better competition and much better athletes. Now he might be able to recruit better athletes himself, but, uh, this is a guy who, who refuses to change his system or, or try to improve any on anything at all. I think, I think, but based on what happened with, uh, Joe Moorhead over at, uh, Mississippi state being in and out in one season, they're going to give him a long ride. He'll get, they'll, he'll they'll, be there for they'll give him a long ride, but it's not, they won't have the success that everybody in the fans think they're going to have under Mike Leach. Like he is not their savior. And they are, everyone now, I've seen all these videos and all these things, and he comes walking through with his stupid little cowbell, and everyone's like, this is the greatest hire ever made. And, like, you know, Mississippi State's back, and, like, oh, they're going to start, you know, know, playing for SEC championships. They're going to get smoked. Okay. They're going to get smoked, and they're going to, lucky if they win 10 games a year, and it'll be more like 8, 9, because they still have to play in the SEC, and they're still not going to be able to compete with LSU and Alabama no, and Georgia and all those yeah, things. Exactly. So still, they'll be lucky to be four and four. Right. But I just, I can't stand there with the fact that everyone just keeps saying that like coach Leach is such a great offensive minded coach and stuff. He, he's actually not, he's actually stuck in the past from 20 years ago when, wow. when the air raid offense was innovative and new, but now so many other guys have, have taken that and developed that and moved past his simple concepts that he's, he has outdated himself. Interesting that Mike Leach had an, a losing season last year, uh, and actually lost it, lost the Cheez It Bowl a year after a huge season where they won the Alamo Bowl and finished eleven and two. He lost he the was, Air Force, man. They yeah. lost the Air Force and the and the triple option. He can't defend. Yeah. You know, like he he doesn't care about defense either. So yeah. unless he gets an amazing defensive coordinator who can dominate the SEC, I, there's really no hope for him at all. He'll get four seasons at least. Um, oh, he'll definitely get four or five seasons. He'll probably leave after six anyway because he'll probably want to go somewhere else anyway because I think that's just kind of his MO still. Too. He, that's the other thing. He's like with Texas Tech, and there was, he was burned at Texas Tech on some things, but he also brings a lot of this stuff on himself. Um, he rubs people the wrong way. He's a bit of a bully. He doesn't like the media. So there's a lot of things over there that like behind the scenes I don't think people sort of realize about him and his style and his personality. Um Although he'll fit very well in the South there and being a Trump supporter and all those kinds of things. But he's also a Mormon, I think. He wow. He went to BYU. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh I don't yeah. So anyway, I just I'm just feeling like this he's he's not sort of Do you know the first bowl game he ever coached in? The mm. galleryfurniture.com bowl. <laughs> It was a 2000 when people still like use the dot com and everything. The galleryfurniture.com bowl. And then his most recent, which was a loss, no. And then his most recent bowl, which is also a loss, is the Cheez It Bowl. Yeah. I mean, if he retired now, what a way to bookend your career in bowl games. Oh, he should have. He should have just for that alone. Right? I mean, it might be the last one he coaches in. I mean, he's, he lost to Nevada in a bowl game like back in 2014 or something, I think it was. Yeah, he's he he. I think he's, he's I lot. think he's the he most great. He doesn't have a great bowl. Right no, he's now. the most overrated coach I think in college football. 
Chris, I beg you to move away from college football. Great. I will give you anything you ask for. Let's anything. do it. Okay. You don't even. Um, I don't even. I don't even want anything. Let's just. I'm. I'm done. I'm. I'm so off my horse. A, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on an upswing because I want. I, there's something that there's there's news of a uh, <laughs> groundbreaking new CBA in the WNBA. Oh. Have you heard of this? I did. I started reading bits of it. I've not. I've not read the full uh, Bleacher Report story, um, but I do. I have the bullet points, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 Good for it them. shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but it is. Because these are quote unquote significant, uh, you know, like pay bumps. Uh, the top players set to earn uh, over half a million a season, which is nonsense. I mean, an intern at a fucking dot com makes that much. Uh, <laughs> but that's triple more than the max of what it was before, which yeah. means that the that the top think players it, can actually live on a salary. Right. Paid. And hopefully all the rest of it, not just the top players, but the rest of the players, too, who make much less than that are getting a substantial pay bump as well. So here's one that blew me away a little bit uh, that I didn't realize players did not receive full salary on maternity leave, which mm-hmm. is fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, they do now mm-hmm. or will now. Uh, they'll also get the uh, they'll get the cush and posh lifestyle of having their own hotel rooms so they don't have to share anymore. <laughs> this is fucking all, all reading this does is expose how fucking dirty the previous CBA was. Uh, and there's yeah. also potential for a revenue split. Which I think is the biggest part of the CBA, because uh, that it, that is enticing to both the teams and the players. Like yes. if the players become part owners, yes, then then they I get think invested. That, that they get invested. The fans get invested. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, the sponsorship deals get more invested. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's there's something really uh, exciting about that potential and and how that could potentially uh, expand this league beyond you know where, where it is now, uh, because it does feel like it's sort of become a, a, and, and this is, this is called, this is women's basketball in general. Like I, I feel like they're, it's, it's so, suddenly become less of a, uh, of a, of a in-person spectator sport. And I, and it's gotta be a bummer for these fucking players to be playing in not, not even like full venues or even basketball venues for that matter. Yeah, I, listen, I yeah, I don't know the the numbers and the stats on on, on attendance and stuff. I, I felt like it over the years that it's been growing and you've seen bigger crowds and stuff. It's sort of I sort of attribute to like MLS and soccer where you start all of a sudden like bigger and bigger crowds and then all of a sudden like a couple of years ago like they just you know like all the stadiums were just filled with you know crazy cheering fans and stuff. And I don't know if the WNBA will ever get to that point, but. Um, I think it's just good all around for them. Like all, you know, all kinds of stuff like you were, you were mentioning and like even, um, I think housing, uh, you know, uh, apartments and uh, kind of stuff where they can have, they sort of kind of help afford to live in the cities in which they're, they're playing. And, and I thought the most telling thing that I, I took away from that article that I, I read was that the, uh, the president of the WNBA said that she was really proud of the players for all coming together and fighting for this and sticking together and making sure that all of their points were sort of, were met and agreed upon and not sort of faltering and stuff. And I thought that was, that was impressive to see from like sort of as that antagonistic style that you're sort of used to between league and players and stuff is that they actually had some, maybe some respect there for each other and and actually trying to work together a la what the NBA has been doing, you know, for the last couple of years as well. So the average attendance dropped a thousand people last year for, Mm. and they're not exactly sure why. And that's the lowest it's been since 2010. So there is a weird decline, but I've noticed this, and I'll be flipping around 
because I've got this weird app now, so I can watch a lot of like Pac-12 and Big Ten college basketball games. So I have been. <laughs> the Big Ten is amazing right now. I'm so fucking in. It's like great, I'm, I'm, especially on the from the men's standpoint. Like you just great basketball, fun to gamble on. Home teams tend to win. Uh, there's probably eight good Big Ten teams right now um, in college basketball. But the women's like you'll see these cr- these really good games with great finishes. It just feels like no one's in the fucking no one like and for college that's really disappointing but i wonder if there's a trend down and i'm hoping the cba helps trend that back there there uh, there there is um even for college uh football i saw there was an article i think somewhere along the line um that uh they were saying really like, bringing this back to college football i know i'm sorry really? well you were just talking about Jesus college basketball Christ, chris dude. i mean come on here what it's am i supposed like to do God. but even like teams like clemson like and stuff goddamn keith jackson <laughs> God. all right tell me more <laughs> About college football, please. I'm dying to oh, know. Oh, Nelly, let me tell you. Um, yeah, even like Clemson stuff, I haven't been selling games out this past year or so. Uh, so like I think all in all in general, like a lot of college attendance uh, games are down and whatnot. So it's I, I think it's across all sports potentially is what I'm, as when, I'm getting to. To point, when you can see uh, – so right now uh, Duquesne is a, all, is a top 40 basketball team. Those games are fucking – there's half of the, the audience – uh, in college basketball and, and we can see from our apartment, like basically like you don't have to go far in order to see inside of the, uh, the Heinz field. And uh, during a pit game, like the seats are fucking yeah. empty. The top tiers are right. all empty. Like no one's going to see pit. Like you're pit. already, you're, 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 I mean, especially for a college student, like you're, you're paying enough as it is. And then you got to pay more to go to a game and whatnot. Like you're, well, that's what's fucking blows me away. I, UNC is playing here against pit, uh, in like four days. And you can't get a fucking ticket for under sixty bucks, student or otherwise. My wife looked into it, and uh, and that's that's what, insane. Who's gonna, who's gonna pay fucking sixty bucks to go see yeah. their school play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think it's. I think most. I think people are actually maybe probably starting to smarten up a little bit and going like, I don't want to pay all this money, whether it's professional or not. Uh, to go see a sports game where you can just watch it at home and and, and not pay another hundred and fifty dollars just on like snacks and drinks and whatnot too. Well, maybe the WNBA will have nice, uh, cheap seats. Maybe. Uh, anyway, so that's something to keep an eye yep. on. Uh, it's a it's a plus. Good no for matter them. How you, yep. how you how you cut it, mm-hmm. um, and it's sort of tied into our little uh, eulogy we had for David Stern last <laughs> week. Uh, Chris. <laughs> There's another sport besides pro football that we should talk about quickly before we get into that. Yes. Um, because there was a, a pretty big story broke yesterday. Uh, the Houston Astros uh, are cheaters, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Their fucking old money bags owner was like, I'm fired, everybody. I can't believe it. Like, I'll well, look at me go overreact. Like, it's like, anyway, the Astros cheated. They're still the champs. Mm-hmm. They lose baseball draft picks which are meaningless as far as i'm concerned five million dollars their coaches are in trouble the red Sox, surprise surprise a boston has a cheater Mm -hmm. uh their 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 coach is probably gonna get fired or some shit i don't know um what do you what's your take on all this uh you know what i kind of like it i kind of like the heavy handedness of this um five million dollars well and 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 they're banned for a year um like I, i i feel like if 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 it wasn't for for Adam Silver a couple of years ago with the NBA, and then sort of with maybe Manfred now as like he's trying to prove something a little bit. Manfred's a fucking a, 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 the same slippery piece of shit that Selig was. 
He's not fucking better. No, I'm, like, t- I'm saying he's trying to. About this. No, no, I, I think C League probably would have been like, oh, nothing to see here. We're going to like, you know, find him for 20 games or something, right? Like, I feel like he's tr- he's trying to come down a little more authoritative in this sense of like, of like trying to, to prove, and whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. And I don't really actually care because it's freaking baseball. But I'm just saying like, he's actually trying to make a, a point, which most, I think, condition, uh, commissioners kind of, step back away from that and don't like Roger Goodell would never do this. Do you right? think that he then went in turn was like, listen, the most, uh, the most serious thing I can do is impose, you know, a season long band, but I highly recommend you fire these, this general manager and this. And well, this well, first of all, I think coach. he could have, I think he probably could have done it longer, right? He could have done it like two or three year ban or something. But at that point, I think it just becomes like almost a lifetime ban because then like after so many years, no one's going to want those guys anyway, right? Because things change quickly and, and people right. move on. Um, I do think uh, that the owner, too, though, is like if you don't have, if your general manager can't be in the building and do any work, and your and your and especially your manager, the guy who's you right. know supposed to be the head coach on the field for 162 games, can't be there day in day out for the season. Like, what good are they then? To well, you? Sean Payton in the NFL got you know a year off, and he he got his job back and. Now he's really good at losing playoff games. Yeah, but I mean, that was that's right. Sixteen games in the f- like four months. Like that's a little. Sure. I think it's a little yeah, more yeah. manageable. The general manager maybe, right? I get. I, I think firing the manager to me it's a little holier than thou. It's you know what? Oh, if totally. Really, if you really feel like as a as an owner that you're that you're upset with having now read the report of what your manager and your general manager your whole organization was did, doing, yeah, then forfeit the fucking trophy, right? Because guess what, you won't. Because guess right. what, you fucking want that more than anything, right? That's what you want. So fuck you, like putting a trophy I, ahead of your fucking coaches and putting putting a trophy ahead of fucking well, that's any any sense of like camaraderie or loyalty, like. But that's the problem with all this, though, right? Is that it's it's sort of a it's 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 sort of farcical, you know, right? Because yeah. like you can't really, yeah. how, how are you really punishing yourselves or or a team and stuff in that degree? Like they're just doing something because they have to do something to show sort of a strong hand here. Which I sort of I I respect at least that ability of trying to show that. But you can't. What I'm, are you, I'm like, what so you going to dissolve the team? I'm so sick of baseball pretending it's not a, te- a sport made up of cheating. Right. It's, it's, it's been about cheating. We talk about this when we talk about steroids. We talk about this whenever we talk about somebody who's got a corked bat. Anytime anyone uses pine tar. Anyone gets caught cheat, stealing signs. Like, so it, it's a game based on cheating. Yes. So what the fuck? What is this like retroactive bullshit? Like they – it, it makes no fucking sense to me. It just It's another example of fucking baseball being lame. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. Like it's it's – the whole thing is just dumb because like you can still still you can still steal signs like if you're on the technology. F- yes. It's basically what they're saying is, is exactly yeah. what they're saying, because you could be on the field and you can have a runner on second. And if he's catching the sig- the catcher also, signals, don't get caught in the year you do it because it won't matter. Like you only get paid. <laughs> you don't you don't get in trouble retroactively, which is fucking crazy to me. Right. Like, right. It, it, take away the fucking trophy. Yeah. Like there has been baseball seasons where no one won a fucking ring. I mean, the the, uh, the Black Sox got uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, right. Like, yeah, they got banned yeah. for life before for throwing a game and you know the yeah. World Series and like that's it's kind of the same thing here, right? They're cheating to win a World Series. Yeah, they do, they definitely cheated to win a World Series. Yeah, There's so no about it. But like, who's to say they're the only? Also, one, who bangs you know? in a trash can lid to like make noise? Like you're using all it. this technology and, and video, so dumb, so dumb. Baseball. And then you're just banging on a it's trash so can. Baseball. 
I love it. Like at the end of the day, it's almost like when Sammy Sosa was like juiced to the nuts. And then he like fucking put rubber balls in his bat that broke, and everyone's like, "He's a cheater." I'm like, "Dude, his fucking got a head the size of a fucking the Goodyear blimp," and we're butt hurt about these fucking rubber balls falling out of the thing. It's like, what are you doing, Sammy Sosa? Like, that's like banging on the trash can. Like, you're so, you're good to the point of like just leave it alone to let technology run its course. It's it's so fucking dumb. Baseball's so fucking dumb. Like, it's almost worth it for them to get caught because of the banging on the can thing because they're like we have to keep it like old school in one regard like step right up step right up did you hear yeah was that a scandal was that one bang or two what do you mean the team that used to play on enron field had a fucking scandal go figure fuck off so fuck off ml so here's the one angle that I, I thought is an interesting thing that has has been brought in addition to all this stuff is that Lo, uh, Logan Morrison, uh, first he's a major league baseball player, first baseman. He's he's been around for a while now. He's playing on multiple teams and whatnot. He posted on Instagram, I believe, saying um, basically he was basically calling out the hypocrisy of all this as well because he's like, I know firsthand that plenty of other teams have been cheating and stealing signs over the years. And he, and he called Boston out. He called, uh, I think, the Dodgers and the Yankees out and, like, one other team or something maybe, right? And he even said it before this uh, this happened with this version of the Astros and with this this manager and, and Hinch and, and uh, Cora. He's like, this happened back in, I think, 2014 when he was with the Mariners playing the Astros. And Felix, he said, uh, should have won, I think, the, the Cy Young or they should have – they were one game away from making the playoffs. But because they played Houston – at that last oh, uh, series of the season and that he heard, they, they all heard the trash can banging back then, which was <laughs> three or four years before any of this was even brought up at, for this instance. So then, but yeah, where do you get like what the, the, it's, yeah. I no, guess. so but my point with him, with him bringing this up is like he brought that up. He posted on Instagram. People have, have made a thing about it, but no one else and like sort of the major media, I, I haven't seen anybody else sort of reference this either. So I don't know if it's if it's if it's actually him, if it's factually true to to the degree that it's actually he actually posted this stuff. Um but but it it, it goes to show you that he and he said people were using video back then even to do this. I wonder so I've got to, you know, I I'm going to bring I I might I might ask my one baseball insider, whether or not they have any insight into this. Um, it's worth, it's worth checking out. So once the season starts again, remind me that's a conversation. I'll talk to my, my pirates insider and see if they have any examples, because if anybody would have heard banging on a can, it would be like a coach, right? Yeah. So totally. So I should, I'm going to, I'm going to investigate a little further. I'll keep the names out of it. Uh, don't go back and listen to podcasts and find out my one baseball insider. <laughs> I just think I'm just glad he still has a job. Right. But I just think it's, I think it's interesting that like the, what you and I were already saying is like, like these teams cheat. They do it all the time here now and they've been doing it forever and ever. And then why the, can't cheating be allowed in baseball? But it's so dumb. Isn't, right, exactly. It's so long. Exactly. They've been cheating since the start of time. Like just let it be a cheaty sport. Like whoever but, can cheat the most wins. Like that's what happens. Like, but it, it's so boring. But I want it's so long. Who cares? I want him to to. I want this to come more from him or uh, d- d- this story to continue. Is that I want them burn this all down then and then burn all, every Agreed. team. Right. Agreed. Like yeah. just you know like you know go Agreed. after every single team. This better not if because this obviously this has been happening and almost every team probably has done this. So go after every single team and don't just make don't an example out of the, of the I mean, of the me, Astros the, and maybe the Red Sox coach. Here, here's the fucked up thing about baseball is that. You, 
why would why does the general man sorry the the commissioner of baseball care so much about this like retroactively basically disciplining managers teams etc for for cheating yet there's nothing in baseball that like keeps the disparity between small market teams and large market teams balanced that's where the the cheating comes from the money and the fact that like there's like a small market team has to do this weird money ball bullshit to try to and like and catch 90 breaks to have a competitive team because ownership a lot of these owners the only way they make money especially in smaller markets is through their baseball team like the the fucking owner of the pirates runs a, a defunct or almost defunct newspaper and and probably pays a lot of his fucking salaries through his baseball team that he puts no money into like if you want to be a good commissioner get your like start do making the the playing field more balanced like level it out and 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 there's just none of that in baseball it's a bad commissioner it's a bad run organization it's it's i mean say what you will about Goodell say what you will about Silver uh the the small market teams in both of those sports have an equal amount of opportunity to win that doesn't happen in major league baseball and it's fucking boring and it ruins the game and that's the last one. all right chris enough enough talk about other stupid sports Let's give the people what they want. Football. Let's talk NFL football. Okay. So last week we uh, – We were so I, good we, last week. We na- well, we crushed our picks, hold, Chris. Hold on. Before we get there, last week on the pod we talked <laughs> about like our previous year scores and how they've all been pretty close or at least we thought so. Mm. Um, at least our, our final season, uh, regular season scores. Uh, you went back and looked it up actually. And, uh, and I think it's worth noting quickly – uh, our previous three seasons final records, which um, I mean, so just to quickly run through them in 2016, I was 124 and 122. You were 126 and, and 120. So like basically a, a, an even season. Mm-hmm. We did a little better the following year, uh, 128 and 119 and some ties to your 129 and 121 and some ties. Uh, so we were had a little bit more of a winning season. We basically kept the same shit rolling uh, in 2018. Uh, we both had 128 wins, so we had exact. We actually had exact records last year. Um, so we've never been below 500, but we've never been that much more above 500. The right. same thing happened this season. It's remarkable and unremarkable in its like at the same time. Yeah. And I really don't know. I I I, I implore our listeners, interns or otherwise, to try to make some sense as to how we could be so fucking consistently mediocre. <laughs> it blows my mind. It, like it is, I, when you sent me those screenshots last week, I was like, I started to try to like process it mm-hmm. and make some sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly can't, like, I truly don't understand what it means. Are we talk like, is it just the law of averages? Is it because we're taking from such a large sample size? Uh, are we just bad at picking? Like, well, are, are we good at picking? Do we talk each other into the same records? Is or is football? Is this just like, is gambling such a small margin mm-hmm. that we're just basically proving that small margin? All of the above. <laughs> I think I think we're terrible gamblers. Like, we're not really that invested in it. Um, yeah. Right. So, like, we're not doing it. You know, like all the time and really hitting hard. Like, if if we were like really these like serious gamblers and stuff, I don't even know if 
but you know, even though even those really great successful gamblers apparently and stuff like they're not picking every game, I don't think, right? Or even if they do pick every game, I'm not sure they're having that much more success. That like, are they are they hitting on? I mean, we're hit, we're basically we're hitting like 50 to 51 percent of our uh, picks, basically, right? Like, are, are guys hitting 55 percent to 60 percent? You know, like, well, I, I can't imagine oh, yeah. anybody's getting like oh, like 70 or 75 percent or over of the no, of the games, that would right? Be insane. I mean, if you bet the season on the on the road dog this year, you would have won almost 60 percent of the okay. time, which I think is just an insane advantage. Yeah, unlike any other season. But at the same token, if you took the home favorite, which is what you'd think would be the you know the winner, you're obviously going to win only forty percent. So, right. I uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little impressed that we are as con- we're more consistent than the typical tropes of the NFL or the typical uh, not not tropes but um whatever the uh, the the trends of mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, so that's I guess our our angle is that we're just consistent. <laughs> we're just <laughs> Very consistent. <laughs> We're just inc- four seasons in. We are incredibly consistent, and, and it's it's we are, also it's, we are down the fucking middle. We are yeah, the yeah. we are we are your we are your above just above average C plus students. We are like <laughs> well, that, we don't wrinkle. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't we don't fuck with we 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 like jocks and nerds equally. Yeah, we, uh, yep. we play yep. one sport intramurally. Like we're like. <laughs> Just getting through, you know, like <laughs> hoping, hoping we could ask like a, like the lower tier cheerleader to prom. <laughs> like it's pretty, the alternate cheerleader. Who's not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, yeah. 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 Keeps trying out every year, but doesn't quite make it. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so, so in that, in that, I will say this, uh, just to give it a little, uh, to to pre- to lead us into our our playoff picks, wow! I'm bad at that. I am bad mm. at that. Mm. You are a little bit better. Our overall playoff record right now is I am one and seven. You are three and what is it? Three and five. Yes. So you could technically end up the playoff season with a with a, at least an a winning record. Oh. Yeah, I. Man, I could not have fucking blown last week <laughs> any worse. Well, any worse. That's the funny thing now is is the the, the trend in in well, I mean the wild card weekend. The I mean there was the dogs were. Uh, this is uh, the same shit that's happened last year. It's the same. The, shit but the home team, like the year. the home favorites, won three or four over this past weekend and whatnot. Which is so, what happened last year. The home favorites won in the week in the in the divisional round, and the wild card round went to the road dogs. Like that's what always fucking happens. So, so that's why an interesting not bet it? trend that we got to start paying attention to then more as well. Yeah, Maybe remind me in a year because we won't. We say what? the same fucking shit every year. <laughs> Because we forget. Don't want to put a fucking calendar. <laughs> this alert. is where the intern is supposed to do this stuff for us. Well, speaking of the intern, uh, what a hot tip! Couldn't have been more right about that. Over the fucking the if you don't remember, Kansas City Chiefs were uh, they want they hit the over themselves. Uh, Peter John, though he didn't give any real gambling advice as to far as far as who do, who would win, said hit the over on that KC. Houston game and he was more than right. That that game was so crazy that you you bet each way against both teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And almost pulled off both I wins. Know. I know. That's it's how insane crazy. it was is that you could take both of them plus the points at some point during that game before or during the I, game and still so come away goddamn, with Yeah. It was so goddamn close. Plus the over 
Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, I got, I got Casey at plus six. Like that's fucking insane. Yeah. Like they, I got, I got like that. And they were down like two or three touchdowns at that point. Plus plus nine and a half. Um, the, we can go through all of those games if you want to, if you have thoughts, I'm, I'm mostly interested in your thoughts on, on what happened in, with the Seattle green Bay game. Uh, because I, I just don't understand. Like, I think without explaining it, uh, last week, I think this is exactly what I, I envisioned in that game to go is that Seattle would probably go down early in the first half. And, and he I, Carol just can't coach. What's he, going on? He can't listen. I, there's, I'm of two minds about old Peaches Carroll here, right? Because he's he's brought really great success to Seattle uh, for the last decade, and we've have anything even close to uh, accomplishing what he's accomplished for this football team. He's won a World Series or a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what what I what the problem I have though is that he keeps he keeps sort of relying on these old sort of. Uh, ideas and tropes of of football, and he doesn't Has seem he to not realize that like grow. running, trying to build a running game around a fucking overweight retired running back in the playoffs, <laughs> it doesn't work. And then when you fucking finally pull off of that fucking strategy after three quarters, suddenly you let your fucking MVP candidate quarterback throw to these amazing young receivers and suddenly you're in the fucking game. Like what the fuck is going on with that guy? So it, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. And I think that's my, my version of that was, was going to say this is like, yeah, you have Russell Wilson and yet your game plan is still what you try to do every single game in the first half is force the force the run. And when it doesn't work, it takes you a full half to realize that you need to open up the offense and hand the keys over to Russell Wilson. And people have been saying this for years now, ever since basically Marshawn left the first time around, is that you, you need to adjust your philosophy to fit your best player. And they're not, and they don't do that, and they refuse to do that, and I don't understand why. But like, it's crazy to me, like, even if it was working at the beginning of the year with a top-tier running back, you have to be fucking, you don't have to be smart. Any, ask anyone, like, oh, we lost our number one running back. Should we move away from that strategy? And he's like, nope. We got this old guy who no one fucking wants. I know. Wants. That's what I'm saying. No like he wants. just he keeps holding. No one wants Marshawn Lynch. He just Sorry. keeps forcing forcing the, the issue and this philosophy when he knows. And even when they've proven all season long, it's that like every game they've won, they've won with Russell Wilson throwing the ball on and on comeback, coming back from behind because they they put themselves down in the first half of, of almost every single game. They almost lost to Cincinnati in the first game of the season. I know. They, I mean, we watched that Steelers, that Steelers Seahawks game. They didn't win that by a ton. They definitely played down to their opponent. Also, I think you can base his entire coaching strategy on the fact that he chews that gross, fucking pink gum <laughs> that no one likes. There's better gum, that's and he's chewing gum. that stupid gum oh. because he's always chewed that gum, and that's what got him there. And that's the fucking mindset that makes you lose he's, games that are so winnable because he's still chewing gross gum when there's good gum out there. He's a, he's a conservative on the field. He, he wants to keep the games close. He doesn't want to give away uh, the ball or points, right? And he plays, they, that's why they play, a, they play a soft zone defense where the, you can see their, their cornerbacks are dropping 10, year, uh, 10 yards 
off the off the wide receiver as the play starts because yeah, he doesn't want to get beat deep. Doesn't fucking work on third and long. It's it, like it's it's like right because then you get ten yards and you get a first down. You. Right. Exactly. It's it's also works. It also works, and that philosophy works when you had an amazing defense with that legion of boom. Yeah. And working that way, but when you can't, when when your defense can't sustain stops, and they got some eventually, and that's see that's part of the problem is that in the second half, I think like three or four times, you know, they they forced. Green Bay to go three and out or, or some version of three and out and, and without scoring. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, they, they somehow their mentality changes in the second half and they know they're going to be able to come back. And they, 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 like his, his system worked when he had a great defense. Right. And that's basically what I'm saying here is that I'm, I'm uh, like this. Uh, there's so many things I, here that they need to like their offensive line. He, he, he is like he's got all these big old broken down guys who can't stay healthy and yet their whole point of getting those guys was to be able to bully the offense or the defensive line and run the football they can't do that like i think and he has a problem with this like minnesota has as a has an offensive line and they forced they they basically did what seattle wanted to do this year and forced alvin cook down the throats everybody and they were successful doing that why can't Pete carroll and the seattle seahawks do that then well here's what here's what i I've got two thoughts on on Seattle. We can move away from it. One, uh, I was ne- I've never been more right about how bullshit fucking Hollister is. That guy cannot fucking get an extra yard to save his life. He's terrible <laughs> he's, at catching. He drops the fucking ball. He's a piece of shit. He's great so, at getting exactly one yard less than less he needs. than he needs to get. That guy's a fucking soft ass piece of shit. And and fuck him. And also on on the flip side of that. Jadavian Clowney, say what you will. He was fucking out there ripping heads off, and that's what fucking needed to happen. Like, yeah. get you know, penalties, what have you, uh, offsides. He was excited. He was ready to fucking play, and he played through a fucking brutal injury. Uh, and every, all anyone wants to do is, like, focus in on, like, maybe his errors. But you know what? He was playing. He's playing that Legion of Boom style of fucking Seattle defense. Uh, I just don't think they had the guys. I don't think they had the they personnel. Don't. They don't. They don't. They don't offensively and they don't defensively. And I think that's the problem is that I think he always thinks he has more talent uh, than he does on his team. And, well, and time to fucking catch you guys. What's scary about that, about this and, and, and the way that coach Carroll is, is coaching is that you've got a fucking San Francisco team that's arrived. You've got a, a, a LA Rams team that probably underperformed last year with a great coach. And you've got a team on the come up in the Cardinals. And like, it's, you, great, you made the divisional playoffs this year, but like, fuck, it's not going to get any easier for that team. It's not going to get any easier, but but this they, they don't sort of you know a couple of years ago everyone expected this, the Seahawks to sort of fall off right and just sort of dissolve basically because and not win any games. They, everyone, even you, you were picking them to win like four to six games at best or something a couple of years ago, right? And yeah. I think that's sort of the other thing is though is that they're able to sort of sustain and maintain this sort of. Uh, winning uh, team from year to year, so I, I don't think that like they're in trouble because I like listen. Arizona doesn't necessarily scare me, and the LA Rams are going to start having cap issues with a lot of players, and especially they just lost Wade Wade Phillips, their defensive coordinator, which I'm not sure they're going to have any better success on their defensive without no, him. Terrible. So, I, you know, and there's and other teams kind of come and go uh, in the other divisions and stuff every year and stuff. So I, I I'm not worried about them, you know, and, and there's a lot of talk I think in Seattle and, and with the, in like the, the media and stuff about like should he really have to go or can he find someone better or someone else and I'm, I'm not saying I don't want to necessarily get rid of Pete Carroll and I think he's I think he's a really good coach I just think he needs to sort of take a step back and reevaluate and assess things and try to make different sort of changes 
uh, to his system or his philosophy, or at least open things up a little bit to the degree that some coaches I think are so focused on their own on their own philosophy and the way things are done that they can't sort of see when things need, actually need to need to be changed. So, could I ask you right now? Do you think the Seahawks will have a winning record next year? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. And, and here's uh, my main reason is that I think they have. I think they have a really good foundation. I don't think they lose a, a ton of like valuable players except for Clowney, which, but they also have like, I think 40 to 50 million cap room, which they can kind of re-sign a lot of guys. They draft, I think above average. I don't think they're a great drafting team. They have their issues here and there, like most teams do, but I think they're consistent enough in all these kinds of areas and points like uh, as an organization and, and like Clowney, people love coming here. People love and, and being part of this organization and they, they buy in because Carol has this sort of, and I think this is sort of a detriment in his own way. Like, you know, how you say like your, your greatest strengths or your greatest weaknesses is that he's so positive and energetic that no matter what the bad things happen, they just think that it's going to be better next time. Right. I know. It, it's but it, Yeah. A lot of that better next time is because of Russell Wilson. It's just not playing up to his strengths. Totally. But it's, but it's Pete Carroll's attitude and, and and mantra, like on the practice field is like, Hey, we're going to, you know, he doesn't really discourage or, uh, uh, talk bad about players. And, and, and if they had a poor game, he's just like, Oh, you know, he was all right. You know, he could have, you know, maybe missed a few plays here or there, but he'll be better next week. Right. And he's always looking for the the next time in the next week. And he just thinks everyone's going to get better next time around. And they, they need better players across the board on defense there. And I, I think, or, or they need more growth from from this year to next year with with players. I think they thought we're going to do do that this year. So I think there's a lot of there's still a lot of potential there. I, I think uh, uh, almost every year you could say like, hey, they're going to win eight to twelve games, right? And I wouldn't be surprised in that somewhere. But I, I don't see them having like a losing record, especially with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. So I, I it's virtually I, impossible. A, I think. I, I okay. I'll, we'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a couple quick notes on each of these games um the, my last one on the seattle green bay game is is for some reason through this the same app i'm talking about i can only get fox deportes uh so i had to watch this game with the uh, spanish announcers which i highly recommend even though they were super homers and were clearly rooting for uh, the packers and they were calling aaron Rodgers el capitan and when like they would throw it, it was just it was it was a totally different experience i loved how much i didn't have to listen to 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 Troy and Joe, mm-hmm. um, even at the end when I could, couldn't figure out what they were going to do with the spot of the ball and they reviewed it twice or whatever, uh, it didn't make, it didn't matter. Like it's, it's such a better viewing experience. I, I've done this with the world cup for the last like four times, uh, as watched like the Telemundo broadcast because just hearing goal is so much better. And plus I don't know any of these players anyway, and I'm not that big of a soccer fan. Uh, I highly recommend watch some playoff football, uh, with the, with the Deportes team, especially on Fox. Cause you just, it's just more exciting. And, and the one example, and I told you this, is when Russell Wilson threw that Hail Mary at the end of the half, uh, one of the announcers, the play-by-play guy, uh, sang Ave Maria, which is <laughs> incredible. Like it's, it's, it's just such a better viewing experience. So that's my takeaway from that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were both super jacked, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we were both super jacked about how well uh, the Kool-Aid man came back on that uh, Houston game and how <laughs> right we are the Bill O'Brien is the worst fucking coach in football. It's a, it's such a great, like everyone's back against Bill O'Brien, which is so yes. funny because it's they like, should be. Oh, 
I, they should be, but like everyone was fucking up his ass and sucking his dick all season. Oh, about like so how, right. And he's, yeah, he's not so bad. Oh my God. Maybe figure it out. No, yeah. he's garbage. No, he he's has an amazing good. quarterback who makes up for all of his mistakes. He's, a, he's terrible. He's terrible. Uh, I, the Tennessee Baltimore game. I'm so sad to see my fucking Baltimore Ravens lose me that money. I was really excited about winning a lot of money on them to win the Super Bowl. But uh, oh, it's impossible right. not to yeah. love the Tennessee story. It's it's not, and and um, it, they deserve a lot of credit, and they I, I, they did win that game. Although I thought it was really interesting the the, the couple of takeaways because I didn't actually watch it until like the very end. I think when I got home, but the 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 between that one and the Houston Kansas City game, I think there's a lot of sort of similar parallels about what went right and what went wrong with with the two teams that were supposed to to win. Right. right. And Tennessee sort of was the team that didn't really beat Baltimore necessarily. Like they, they, they capitalized on turnovers and, and they had really great field positions and those kinds of things. So they, they credit for, I, I want to credit them for those kinds of things and sort of capitalizing on Baltimore's mistakes when those happened. But Tennessee like was up 14, nothing, or maybe even 21, nothing. And, and, um, Derrick Henry, I don't even think he had like over 50 yards or 40 yards or something. Right in the first quarter, like it wasn't right. like he was all of a sudden like running all no, up and down for, the field all over them. It was right? a well coached team. So sure. right, but he but he he ended up with 150 yards, and everyone's like, oh well, you know, Derrick Henry like decimated well, he Baltimore. Did, he but did it, throw an amazing touchdown. That was amazing stuff too. But I'm just saying, like Tennessee got up on Baltimore without Derrick Henry. They basically got there with luck, right? And and so the far, same like, way Tannehill, the same way that Houston got up on on KC with luck, right? A lot of that was turnovers. A lot of that was drop passes. Exactly. And 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 the difference between those two teams is that Baltimore couldn't sort of get themselves back in that game. They just couldn't turn it around. KC, on the other hand, was able to turn it around and and then like what what seven straight scoring touchdowns and whatnot and just killed Houston. Um, and and you you can see where a bad coach like Bill O'Brien all of a sudden shoots himself in the foot where he doesn't go for it. He kicks the field goal on fourth down because yeah, he says he doesn't have a he doesn't have a play call he likes. And the false the fake punt. And the fake punt and, and and I don't think one sort of begets the other necessarily, but I think they 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 both show the ineptitude of a coach who just relies on his his gut or his feeling of of the game, right? Or something and goes, Oh well, maybe I, I don't think he went for a fourth down on, on the punt. Because he he ended up kicking the field goal or something like that necessarily. Yes, yes just, that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know if he does or not. But I think I think it's just his inept as a coach who goes, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna fake the the punt now, you know, because that that'll yeah. get him this time around, you know, like like I I don't I, he's he doesn't have he doesn't would, follow a sort of a script or a game plan necessarily where he knows in those circumstances what he's gonna do, right? Kansas City was always gonna win that game regardless of how many points. Houston lucked out scoring in the first quarter and sure it was it was bad that they left that much time but Kansas City scored three touchdowns in three minutes yeah it doesn't matter what quarter it would have been and to me that's that says more about like Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson suddenly couldn't get anywhere on fourth and ones Lamar Jackson like was sitting alone on the bench like stewing yeah Patrick Mahomes was always up was always cheering on his team was always getting fired up the 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 you knew that game was going to swing the fucking moment mm-hmm. that that kickoff, that kick return came back 40 mm-hmm. yards and that fucking player was like out of his goddamn mind or the first time Ertz caught a fucking pass like over the middle. Like they just were like, we are winning this fucking game. And right. the Baltimore mentality was not that. They just were like a deer in fucking headlights. They were like, like oh just, shit, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think that like the, uh, here we are. 
Lamar Jackson will be the uh, the MVP. Do you know the last time the MVP won the Super Bowl? Yeah, was it Kurt Warner or something? Exactly. It was like yeah. 2000 fucking zero. Yeah. Like it was like a, it was forever ago. Yeah. So the, the, I, it's weird to me. Like you look at the lines up from last week and, uh, and we can move on to the picks this week. But last week you had Tennessee at plus nine. But you also had Houston at plus nine and a half. Mm-hmm. So really the bigger fucking underdog was Houston. But if you would have asked anyone who was more likely to upset the other team, everyone would have said Houston because they just had more weapons. Right. And, and and they probably should have fucking won that game with a 24-point lead. Oh, they so absolutely they should Because they're bad, poorly coached. Yeah. And That's really what it boils down to. I agree. I agree. So, My problem, though, with, with Tennessee, though, is, is I think they're a really good team. And I think they've, they sort of found lightning in the bottle with, with Tannehill and stuff. But Tannehill hasn't been able to take the game, like, hasn't been able to have to, the, the game's not put on his shoulders and had to sort of dictate it, right? And, like, the, and, the, and Tennessee's defense is, and as, as much praise as they've been getting for last game is, like, you know, in uh, Baltimore still had, you know, he, uh, Jackson still had what 300 yards passing, 150 yards rushing. Like he, it's not like they shut down Baltimore's offense either. In a sense, like they just they just weren't scoring. And I think that had more to do with Baltimore shooting themselves in their own foot than really Tennessee sort of locking them down, basically not making them do anything. So it's a it's a weird thing to think about going forward now into this weekend's games for me. Right. So just before we do that quickly, I wanted to say uh, to toot my own horn, I did text you that I thought that Mariota would play in that game, and he did. He was a decoy on the touchdown. The oh, is that what it was? Because I couldn't figure yeah. out like why you were. He like, lined up behind center and then moved out to wide receiver, and then <laughs> and so he was a decoy. But Marcus Mariota is a part of this goddamn team. Forget, don't forget, he's they love him still. He's still a part of it. You're, so I would. <laughs> Go moving into Sunday's game. Watch out for a Mariota Wildcat again. Like oh. there's a, there, there's definitely some there's definitely going to be need to be some trickery. Uh, so Chris, mm-hmm. Tennessee, yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. You got Tennessee plus seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts? I th- what so that's odd. That's interesting that they're they got nine against Baltimore now because they won. And so yeah. convincingly, I guess that they're only getting seven and a half against a better team. Against a better team. Um, Against a more explosive offense, so, so and this is my. I, I can see what what happened last week and what happened two weeks ago with Tennessee and what they've been doing all season is that I, I could see that happening very easily against Kansas City as well, right? Is that Derrick Henry runs for almost two hundred yards, they control the clock, they play, um, they play their brand of offensive football here, and and Tannehill kind of manages the game and whatnot. I could see that happening, so. Does that mean they keep it close? Does that mean they win this game? It's like it's. I, I'm not convinced that Tennessee can keep doing this, right? In this well, style, keep is keep is the key word, right? You've got Kansas City that's had one week less of playing than right. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee definitely is at a disadvantage, having put a lot of more miles on their team than than Kansas City. Right, and the, and their defense is like I don't think the, I, their defense might be good. I think they. It sounds like they have a good uh, secondary. Um, like, but can they really shut down Kansas city? Like a couple teams did it during the middle of the year and Kansas city had a couple injuries here and there, whatnot, Tyreek Hill, I think whatever. And a couple of their other guys, Kansas city had a little trouble moving the ball and scoring points. Right. And they kind of looked 
normal and, and kind of came back down to earth a little bit. And everyone's like, oh, Kansas City's in trouble if they can't score points, which is true. However, they've, they've rebounded from that, and, and they're, they're sort of back to their old ways about you know, scoring four or five touchdowns a game and whatnot. Yeah. So like, I don't know if Tennessee can slow down Kansas City enough. Yeah, th- that's the question, right? Is it can they slow down the pace of the game right. enough too? Right. right? Like, it's, it's possible. It's, it's possible because you've seen it. Tennessee has been doing it. Kansas, it's, it has happened to Kansas City for a couple games over the season. I'm just, I'm just not comfortable – like seven and a half. If this game was double digits, maybe I would take Tennessee. I think um, I still might even take Tennessee like later in the week as it changed my mind. But for now, it just seems like Kansas City at home uh, going to the Super Bowl. It just I don't know. I, 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 I'm not I'm not like 100 percent sold on Kansas City, but I'm going to I'm going to take them. Kansas City wins this game. No, no questions fucking asked. Kansas City wins this game. I personally think that Tennessee can can keep it close. Yeah. Uh, I just I the the proof is in the pudding. They fucking wiped out the Patriots in Baltimore, probably two of the favorites in the AFC to win. The, and now they're playing, you know, the third. Uh, so I, I'm going to give them the respect they're due by saying they can cover a touchdown. I just don't think they win the game. OK, yeah, that's fair. Because I think the Super Bowl is going to be Kansas City against Green Bay, <laughs> because I can't believe I didn't think of this before. Why the fuck were we not betting Kansas City Green Bay, Chris? I, I don't know. It's going to be the Super Bowl. It's it's the 100th year of the NFL. It's the first Super Bowl. It's <laughs> Super Bowl Aaron, one. It's A-Rodge. It's the two guys from the same fucking commercials. Right? Like, it's... Oh, it, Allstate's going to... Oh, yeah, they're going to just... How the fuck is this not... Explode like, all over themselves. Bet the narrative. When in doubt, bet the narrative and fuck me for not fucking seeing it until the goddamn Packers were up against Seattle. And I texted you and it was like, didoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, I think Green Bay not only covers, I think Green Bay wins this game. Yeah. I think that I've always thought San Francisco is not quite there yeah. all season long. I've been like, eh, about yeah. them. Yeah. And I just... God, it feels like a real fucking Jimmy Grops drops fucking like has three three interception game. I think this is like this is that weird Atlanta game. I mean, I I said it last week too, and I was fucking clearly wrong. So what do I know? But <laughs> if I if I'm picking this, and I have already put money on this, I money lined the fucking I money lined the Chiefs with a parlay at the money line in Green Bay, which is you can get great fucking. It's like a plus three something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that to me is the money. I am also one in seven, so don't listen to me. <laughs> right, right. So, so when you texted, and I was like, "Oh, that makes so much sense. It's it's such a it's such a good storyline there, you know, going into the Super Bowl. Green Bay has the better quarterback, right? Um, which I think Who was snubbed by San Francisco in the draft yeah, 100 years ago. He's going home, uh, even though he doesn't oh, actually right. live there anymore. And he hates his parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like it and I, I really like it. And seven and a half, I, you know, is, is, um, it's not a lot. I'm actually surprised. It's not a little bit more actually there on that one, like nine or 10, maybe for green Bay. I'm a little surprised cause they lost what week, uh, it was in November. So week 11 or 12 or something, 13, maybe that they weren't, they went to San Francisco and they got blown out, blown out. I think they scored like eight points or something like that. Six points. San Francisco scored like 30 plus points. There was another game. Green Bay went to the West Coast, played San Diego. Uh, San Diego. They played LA Chargers. They got demolished right, right. there. Yep. 
Like they, there's something about this Green Bay team, and, and I talked about it last week, is that why why Seattle would keep this one close. And if Old Peaches Carroll would have just kicked the field goal at the end of the or uh, extra point at the end of the game, yeah. would have covered, yeah, or would have would have at least um, it would have it would have pushed, pushed, yeah. yeah. But um, I, there's a, there's something about the Green Bay, and I and I I I just really I want this storyline. I want the Kansas City to the Green Bay storyline. I do. I, I want it, and I want Kansas City to win that game. Sort yeah. of the handing of the torch or something yes, like that, if you want exactly. to say it, whatever. Blah blah blah. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff to to come out of that potential matchup. But the way San Francisco has been playing, the way Green Bay has been played against uh, against Seattle, and and sort of they they got off to a really hot start, and then they just kind of go cold, and they stopped running the ball with Matt Jones. Against Seattle, when they should have been forcing that ball more down throat because he was running all or over Aaron them. Or Aaron Jones, whichever Jones. Or, right, Aaron Jones, Matt Jones. Um, they, I, there's just something about that Green Bay that they're too inconsistent in the way San Francisco is playing lately, especially on defense. And like D Ford is back, and they've, they've, I think they've kind of got their defense back to what it was at the beginning of the year. And the fact that you're taking Green Bay and you can't <laughs> buy into San Francisco this whole season uh, makes me makes me take – uh, San Francisco. Chris, I have a question for you before we go. <laughs> yeah. Are you, do you have Kittle fatigue yet? Cause I have fucking got Kittle fatigue. I am so sick of announcers like up his dick. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> you know what? Big fucking lumbering white tight ends are hard to bring down. And it's annoying when every time, yeah. like it takes three guys to bring him down. How fucking bonerific it is when like they it, it happens with every fucking tight end big lumbering white tight ends are besides hollister are hard to take down like get over it get one fucking play like he's just not they don't even use him that much which i think Kelsey is, is a amazing. better fucking player they, they to me the to me the x factor in fucking I think- san francisco is manny sanders that guy's a fucking firecracker in a He's lightning in a bottle. He should be getting the ball all the fucking time. George George He's, Kittle is to the 49ers what Russell Wilson is to the Seattle Seahawks. And that is they don't use him as much as they should and how they should until they really need him. Yeah. Um, and that, I, and that a, being I'm said, hold on. That him. being said, I'm not going to let this go. Is that Kelsey, I don't think, is a better tight end than him. But Definitely I think they're both. I, no, Definitely I think better. Kelsey's a better offensive tight end or receiving tight end. I think oh, Kittle is blocking. better all over in. I don't pay attention to block. I know you don't. That's fine. I'm but sure. I think there, I think, I think Kelsey is in the perfect situation for his abilities in Kansas city. Like if he was in San Francisco, I don't know if he'd be as good. Well, no one would. I mean, that's just, is a testament to, to Mahomes. that did yeah. some of those passes yeah. were just fucking nuts. right. But Kittle, Kittle should be average. Kittle should be their number one wide receiver and he should be averaging 150 yards a game. And he's not. And I think that's, that's bad on Kansas City or on San Francisco that they don't use him. Uh, yeah, bad it's bad on Grops. That shows bad you how bad Grops. And that's that's my huge worry in this game is that Grops is gonna grop his pants on this one. Um, and uh, and Green. That's how Green Bay wins this game. Here's what I think. Uh, as a as a final note, you've got three of four teams are by teams. Not playing a game in the NFL in the playoffs is a ridiculous advantage that needs to be addressed. It's it. it it, the Patriots had to play a fucking had to play on not a bye week this year, and they fucking immediately lost. Like, it's stupid how bye weeks work. I hate them. I I, I hmm. don't think that there should be a playoff bye. That's that's the last word. So so add two more teams to the playoffs then. Exactly. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah. Why not? Why not? I like it. Sure. Yeah. Thank All you. right. Well, on on that, Chris. Hey, you have a great week, buddy. You too. Go uh, go baseball or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.